This is Help Wanted, the show that makes your work work for you. I'm Jason Pfeiffer, Editor-in-Chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. And I'm money expert Nicole Lappin. On Tuesdays, Jason and I answer the helpline and help callers solve their work problems. And on Thursdays, I give you one way to improve your work and build a career or company you love. And it starts now. Hello, not Nicole. I'm not talking to Nicole today. I'm talking to you, Morgan. Morgan, welcome to Help Wanted. Thank you so much for having me. Just Jason and not Nicole. That's right. Neither of us are Nicole. It's so weird. So Morgan, what longtime listeners of Help Wanted will know is that you are the producer of this show. You actually make it happen. But what they may not know is that this show is produced by a company called Money News Network, which is you, me, and Nicole. And you do four billion, is it billion or trillion? How many things are you doing? Four billion or trillion things? I'd, I'd, I'd put it in the trillions. I would. I wanted to ask you a question. Okay. You ready? I think so. I hope so. Yeah. I, well, I feel like it's simple enough and also the most complicated question in the world. The question is, how crazy do you feel <laughs> having to do all these things? I I feel pretty crazy. I feel pretty crazy because like you said- I am the producer on this show. I also produce Nicole's other podcast, Money Rehab, which is daily. And I also produce the other three shows that we have on our slate. In addition to that, like you said, I have other responsibilities beyond just the creative production podcast stuff. I also do our ad sales pitches and calls. I make a whole mess of decks. I run our social. I run our newsletter. I do a lot of like death by a thousand paper cuts things like schedule the ads that people hear in the ad spots. Yeah. It's a it's a million things. I feel I feel pretty crazy. My head is spinning. It's it constantly feels like there's just like a Tasmanian devil whirlwind around me because my head is spinning so fast. And I think that anybody in business would recognize the moment that you are in right now, which is the reason we're having this conversation. Because where we're driving to in this episode is when is it time to spend money on other people to take things off of your plate? And you and Nicole do so many things and you are stretched so thin. You were just describing all that stuff you do. People don't know. I get emails from you at like two in the morning. I am asleep. You are not. (laughs) You are working. So this is a really important conversation to have for anybody who's building anything because you know you, you don't want to be spending money willy-nilly. You don't want to be just throwing money around and hiring people. You want to do as much as you can yourself because that saves you money, frankly. But there's a breaking point and you need to know when that is. Absolutely. And we should also mention, you said at the top, I'm not Nicole. Nicole is not here today. It's just the two of us talking because it's a small but mighty three-person team. We have some other helpers around us, but it's mostly just us. And so we have this set amount of time that we record every other week. And Nicole had to take another really important meeting today. And so she couldn't be in two places at once. And that is kind of the perfect illustration of the problem. Like if we can't be in two places at once, we need more people to be in those places. And you and I, have been talking about this for a while because you know that it's something that I've been chewing on for really months now. They tell you when you start a business that you need to spend money to make money. But when you're a small business, that can feel like a risk or a gamble. And so I've been thinking about whether or not it's the right time for us to hire for a while now. And as sort of ironic and crazy as it is, 
the task of actually sitting down and writing a job description has also been a deterrent for me because I'm like, mm. I, need, I need more help. Like, <laughs> how am I supposed to write a job description if I don't even have time? And that's why I need help in the first place. Yeah. Hiring people can be a full time job. Hiring people can be a full time job. And it's and it's so silly because it's truly just like a one page job description. But it's like so many other things feel so time sensitive. And then the universe just kind of opened up because we're working with LinkedIn a bunch and now specifically LinkedIn jobs. So we learned a lot about the platform and quickly all of my excuses just sort of like melted away. Like, for example, when you go to post a job on LinkedIn jobs, you can just put in the title that you want to hire for. And there's an AI tool that will create the job description for you. That's brilliant. So it takes literally two seconds to post a job and it's also free and you don't need a recruiter. So like that part is taken care of and there's really no excuse for me anymore in that regard. But the actual question of who is this dream person that I should hire? I just listed off a million things that the business needs. Which one of those responsibilities should go to someone else? Which ones should I keep on my own to-do list? How do I figure that out? And what do you pay those people? Right. It's true. LinkedIn jobs can solve a lot of the problems here. The problem it cannot solve is the decision of when to hire someone and how much to pay them. That is something that right. every entrepreneur needs to figure out for themselves before they go find a solution like LinkedIn jobs. So Morgan, I have a gift for you. My gift is that I talked to someone who has taken this very big, messy problem that everybody faces and turned it into an actual, simple math formula. It's called the buyback rate. And when this guy walked me through it, I, I like my head just exploded. So let me tell you about him. His name is Dan Martell. He is the CEO and founder of SaaS Academy, which is the largest coaching company for CEOs of software businesses. And he wrote this book called Buy Back Your Time. It was just sent to me a while ago, and I thought it was interesting. And Got him on the phone. It is really a guide to when you should hire someone and what you should pay them. And it's based on this specific formula that I said called the buyback rate. <laughs> and it is so valuable to have a way to understand the value of your time and therefore how much you should value other people's time and when it's time to start paying for that time. Because what you're really doing, as he says, is buying back your time. And I know this sounds complicated, but it's not once you hear it. So I want to play for you the conversation that I had for him. This was a, like an Entrepreneur Magazine interview that I did, but it's just so useful. And I thought it can help you, Morgan, and anyone listening right now to figure out how to value your time and how to buy it back. And Dan says, the first thing you have to know is what your buyback rate is, which is not some random number. It is actually the product of a specific calculation. And we'll start the conversation by him explaining it. Oh, my God. Yes. Let's listen right now. So if you just take like your income and I always say like incomes, if you're a salaried employee, that's easy. But if you're an entrepreneur, it's usually like what you pay yourself, maybe your profit. That's that's it, essentially your effective hourly rate. Like this is how much money you produce on an annual basis. The buyback rate is actually taking that number and dividing it by four again, because I want to get people four times ROI on their money. And then knowing whatever that rate is, if it's, you know, $100,000 a year in income, that's $12.50 if you do the math, right? But do, do that math part again, because yeah. I am an idiot 
And as soon as you start throwing numbers at me, I get lost. So why am I dividing? I'm basically rounding up how much money I make. There's lots of different ways to think about what that money is, but let's just say we have a number. First of all, why am I dividing it by 2,000? It's the amount of hours in a year. So, so you take, uh-huh. take the, let's say, 100,000 a year income that you make. If you're an entrepreneur, it might be 500,000, let's say 100,000. 2,000 is the amount of hours on average most people work. That'll give you essentially like how much money do you make per hour based on the hours you work. And then four, dividing it again further by four allows you to kind of get a four times ROI on that time. You wouldn't want to trade, if you're making $50 an hour, you want to trade it for another $50 an hour. You want to trade it for $12.50 an hour, 50 cents an hour tasks so that you could then go do more of the $50 an hour type activities. That makes sense. So step one is to figure out what your buyback rate is. How much should you be paying other people to take stuff off your plate? Then what I would suggest is we look at what's called the buyback loop. So the buyback loop is, okay, I want to grow. I feel like I'm at a ceiling. Sometimes I call it the pain line, right? Entrepreneurs will not grow into pain. And when you hit the pain line, you have to do what's called the audit, transfer, and fill. You got to audit your time. Like, where are you spending your time? And all my clients, I recommend a time and energy audit. It's a very simple process. You literally log every 15 minutes what you did for two weeks. And then you take a highlighter, green and red, and you highlight in green things that give you energy and in red things that take your energy. And then you use a dollar sign on the task. And you say, if I had to pay somebody else to do this, this is a $1, $1 sign task, kind of like a expensive or not expensive, like Google, like a restaurant, or is it a $4 sign task, right? Like maybe doing something only like writing code might be a 3 to $4 sign thing, but like responding to emails, a $1 sign thing. Once you do that audit, then you have literally a bucket of things that take your energy and that would only cost $1 or very low to have somebody else support you on. That's your opportunity to buy back your time. Then you transfer it. The transferring is unique in my world because I teach people to use this thing called the camcorder method, which is literally recording yourself doing the work, not hiring somebody and then training them after the fact. You literally record yourself doing the work. And when you hire them, then you give them those recordings, usually three to five, typically. And then they create the SOPs. You're, you're, you're narrating yourself doing the work, I suppose, yeah. because most of my work is... Um, I talk out loud, but I'm recording my screen. Okay. So I literally will just open up Zoom for example, like I'll, if I'm on my computer, I'll open up Zoom, share my screen, record, and I'll like if I'm processing emails or doing creative work or creating even creating a pitch deck or whatever. I'm just talking out loud, and I'm I'm talking about why I'm choosing things. It's like I use this image because of this, and I did this because of that. And the cool part about that is it's not extra work, right? I call it net time, no extra time taken. It's just you're doing it and you're recording it. And then you actually have the outcome that you had to create and you have the recording so that when you hire somebody to do that piece of work, you can just send them those three to five recordings. So that's the transfer side. So that's really interesting because you're capturing, it's it's a great way of training without taking up the additional time because it's funny, a lot of what you're describing here, part of me thinks that's very interesting. Another part of me thinks I don't have time for that. (laughs) So the idea, the idea is part of the problem with like my own, assistant is that I haven't figured out how to set aside the time to show them how to do something. And therefore, I just keep doing it myself. Probably a very common problem. But can I just, from the perspective of, I assume that in addition to teaching executives to do this, you've probably seen what it's like on the other side. If someone is an assistant, they can absorb what you need them to do without kind of laid out instructions. Like, do they find it more useful 
to have this, what is kind of a meandering, possibly hours long screen recording. I guess that's like a belief set, right? Like you have a belief about like, that wouldn't be good for them. But the truth is, is like, that's better for you. If you're buying back your time, you should optimize for you. And so my philosophy is that, so like even sales calls, right? It's like you can record your sales calls, give it to a salesperson, they can listen to those calls and then they create the SOPs. So like even like editing videos or editing social media, like if you're doing it today, just record yourself doing it and then have, well, if you're doing it, you could, but you're talking through why you're making certain decisions and here's the tool and the settings and I always set it to this. And so you're, you're, you're verbalizing what you're doing. And for most part, like, People typically enjoy it because they're learning a new skill. So, and right. the reason why I do it because it also, when they create the SOP, the standard operating procedures, they're reflecting to you that they understood it and you can see their understanding based on what they documented. Mm. And I just also occurred to me as you were describing that, that when you are sharing what you're doing and the reasons that you make the decision, then what you're really doing is actually creating some kind of flexibility in people's understandings of tasks. Because it's one thing to say, start at A, then go to B, then go to C. But then if somebody sees something and it doesn't follow that exact pattern, then they don't know what to do and they have to come back to you. But if they understand how you would logic your way through some kind of alteration to the pattern, then maybe they're more likely to just be able to figure it out themselves. Is that right? I call that principles over process. I think too often SOPs are very linear and rigid. And the challenge is, is that's great if it's like a financial thing that never changes. It should always be done that way. But when you hire team members, you want to teach them principles behind the decisions we're making so that they have that flexibility, right? So that's how I transfer stuff off. And then the fill part is, to your point earlier, like, how do I know I'm making more money? Well, at the end of the day, whatever you currently do to generate income, you want to do as much as that as possible. Rob Deerdeck is a professional skateboarder and also the host of Ridiculousness. And he talks about this. And I love it because his income generator is shooting those Ridiculousness episodes, right? Like he's, you go to MTV, I think it's like 90% of the programming is that show. He's doing 336 episodes new per year. And all he did was figure out like, where can I squeeze out time so that I only do that? And then it actually works out to only be about 4% of his year spent recording those shows. But now he did that to optimize his production, right, of him making money. And then you then, and everything else that isn't doing that, he buys back his time, right? So he can have other people support him in different areas of his life and his businesses. And so to me, it's, so once you've optimized where you currently make money, then it's investing, filling your time with things that teach you new skills to move up the ladder. So like maybe you're currently doing stuff and it's like, okay, well, the next level to charge more, the next level to grow my business, I need to learn this new skill. The other one is mindset because I think business is all about mindset. So like actually proactively deciding like, here's where I want to be in the next 12 months. What are the beliefs and mindset investments I need to make? Is it seminars? Is it books? Is it training? Fill your calendar with things like that. And then the third is relationships because at a certain point in business, it's a who, not how problem, right? It's I don't need to learn how to do things anymore. I just need to have the relationships and the contacts to be able to solve problems. And that's usually the three areas that we want to fill to continue moving up the uh, the replacement ladder and, and buying back our time. Mm. Dan, you just mentioned the replacement ladder. I know you've talked about that a little bit, but let's just step back and make sure that people really understand what you're talking about there. Yeah, so the replacement ladder is the sequence. So if you think about like, 
the first principle of like spending money to hire people in your company, you're always wanting to spend the least amount of money to produce the biggest return in your business. And when I looked at this from a pure mathematical point, there's really this natural sequence for all companies. And and the first level is any administrative tasks, right? We've talked about the executive assistant or administrative tasks. And the key there for me is inbox and calendar, right? So like in my world, I do not manage first replies or filtering any emails that come into my world. And I don't manage my calendar. I have somebody else do that so that I'm only doing things that only I can do. So that's a level one kind of replacement ladder. Level two is anything on delivery. So it doesn't matter what the business is. You might like, like if I owned a plumbing company, I might be the plumber. But when I say delivery, it's, well, bringing on a new customer, following up after the service is done, doing the invoicing, anything around the onboarding of a customer or supporting the customer should be done by somebody else, right? That'll allow you to do more of the thing that only you can do. That's the delivery. That's level two. Level three is marketing, right? So like at a certain point, all businesses, when they start off, the CEO, the owner is doing all their marketing. But as you're buying back your time and you're doing more of the work, having somebody else or even part-time or an agency be responsible for generating leads is the level three of the replacement ladder. And you want them focused on campaigns and traffic. Those are like the two key outcomes they want to focus on. Level four is sales. And sales is a cool one because you start to get this level of freedom. But with sales, you want somebody else to be responsible for for calls and follow-up. And and that's a tough one because a lot of uh, business owners think, well, I can't have somebody else do the sales call because they've been referred to me. But like my accountant, he's a great accountant. But when I refer people to him, he always loops in a sales guy because he should be doing accounting stuff, not doing a bunch of calls and trying to answer questions and qualify people and following up with proposals and all that stuff. So all of a sudden now, the accountant gets paid the most for his accounting. Somebody else does all the sales. And what's cool about that level four, if you get those in place, you're now you actually have a business that makes money while you're sleeping because you have somebody generating leads, you have somebody selling, you have somebody helping with onboarding new customers. Right. So, like, that's the most efficient way to deploy money to hire people to get to a place where the business starts to feel like you're getting some freedom. And then, level five, this is when you start focusing on leadership, right? Hiring people to own outcomes of departments. Maybe that's where you hire a part time operations person to help you with like operating the business and the teams and the finances. So, as a CEO, you're focused on visionary type stuff. But when I analyze all businesses and what's the most efficient way you can like spend money to hire people to work your way out of doing stuff, those are the five levels. I assume you are a level five replacer. I'm a level five across multiple companies. I mean, I, <laughs> I now buy companies and hire CEOs to run them. So it's a different, I'm definitely operating at a different level, but I coach so many entrepreneurs that are just starting off and they have three employees and very little revenue because If I was starting over, Jason, just from today, if you took everything away from me and I was starting a new business, first hire, and I would borrow the money to hire this person, it would be an executive assistant. Because there's there's no way that with my relationship and knowledge that I should be doing anything other than phone calls, emails, messages, contacting people, and then anything that comes from that activity should be handled to somebody else to keep it moving forward so that there's no delay, right? If you just think of like the efficiency of pulling forward opportunities in a year, right? Like we're... If you're doing all your own emails and all your own scheduling and it takes you three or four days to get back to somebody and versus an executive assistant who's doing it in the same day, that should pay for that investment itself because you're, you're probably pulling forward three or four months worth of activity 
into the calendar year to monetize, right? Just by not being the bottleneck for follow-up and et cetera. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, yeah, I, I take this stuff pretty seriously. Yeah, sounds like it. So let me just ask you finally, is very interesting, this whole thing is very interesting. Something you said as you were describing the replacement ladder and you were talking about sales and you said, you know, you might get to this place where somebody reaches out and they got connected to you and you feel like, well, you know, therefore you're the person who's supposed to talk to them. But actually, it's, it's really the salesperson supposed to talk to them. I think that people, as they are figuring out how to replace themselves and how to bring other people into their systems, they feel like some part of this they have to do. It either won't be done the right way unless it's them, which I realize can just be a training problem, or that that for the betterment of this relationship, it has to be them involved, that there is something that requires their time that should be offloaded to somebody else. And I wonder what you say to those folks and how much of that is true and how much of that is perhaps an inflation of our own sense of self-worth and how on earth to know the difference. Yeah, I mean, there, there are scenarios like if you're a specialist doctor, like you have to do the operation, right? But if you're also the same person that's doing accounts receivable in your firm or whatever, like it makes no sense. The way I think about it is I'm always trying to, that's why like the fill part of the buyback loop, audit transfer fill, it's about skills, right? Because sometimes it's, I need to learn the skill to delegate, or I need to learn the skill to lead, or I need to learn the skill to communicate better, right? And then the mindset is because I have beliefs. Some people have some like serious control belief challenges where they have physical, like I've had clients have like adrenal fatigue, stress levels, anxiety levels, having somebody else do something that they would normally do. And we have to talk through this, right? Because their default is to like jump back in and control it. But the truth is, is like nobody's ever going to do it as good as you. But 80% done by somebody else is 100% freaking awesome, right? And that's my philosophy, right? And if you don't have an executive assistant, you actually do. It's you and you are a very expensive executive assistant, right? So like there's these mindset beliefs and that's why it's second on the, the fill side that I work with clients to try to understand because if they can overcome those beliefs, at the end of the day, wherever you want to be in your business, if you have aspirations to be further and grow more, like you have to learn how to become the person who can deal with more. Like their problems never go away. You just increase the quality of the problems and you become a person who can deal with bigger problems, right? I call those like factors of 10 problems. It's like when you're small, getting an extra $10 overcharge on your cell phone bill is like kind of a big deal, right? It's like, I didn't like that. I'm going to call to ask for a discount. But eventually you get to a place where $100 problems are like, don't phase you, $1,000 problems. And I mean, you know, if you're Richard Branson or Oprah, I'm pretty sure like $100,000 problems, they don't lose sleep at night over it, right? Whereas for a lot of small business owners, it would be psychologically very tough for them to deal with. And that's the game that we're playing. We're always trying to like learn how to buy back our time so that we have more capacity so that we can develop our skills and our mindsets and our relationships to be able to build. That's why the subtitle of my book is Get Unstuck, Reclaim Your Freedom and Build Your Empire. I actually want to teach people how to do more of their craft because like at the end of the day, if you're a talented entrepreneur, I want more of your entrepreneurial output in the world right? I, want, I, I don't want people to get to a place where they shut down their company or sell it because they hit the pain line, right? And they grew a business that they hate. 
And that's, that's typically what happens. So it's like teaching this philosophy of trying to do things that light you up and make you more money is just a healthy way to build a business. Okay. Uh, hello. It is me and Morgan again, not me and Dan. Morgan, welcome back. Uh, thank you. Welcome back to you too. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, did you have your pencil out? Did you write down your buyback rate? First of all, that was so helpful. You said that your brain exploded. My brain also exploded. And I did start not only just writing down my buyback rate, but a, the part that I really loved was writing all of the things that you do and saying which ones give you energy and which ones take energy away. So I did start to do that. Yeah. Like I started to assign a dollar value to all of the things that I do for MNN and then also noting which ones, you know, drain my battery and which ones recharge it. Yeah, that is such a useful exercise. And I hope that anybody who is in the situation that, Morgan, you are describing for yourself right now, where you're stretched in a million directions, steps back to appreciate that you are not an infinite resource. You're just not. You seem like you are because I don't understand, Morgan, how you are doing all the things that you're doing. But I know, and I am sure if Nicole was here, she would acknowledge that at some point Morgan runs Morgan runs out like we run out of Morgan <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and so we have to start thinking we have to start thinking about this kind of stuff and everybody if you are feeling stretched thin know that there is a solution and the solution is to to start valuing your time differently and to appreciate that there is both a energy cost and there is a time cost to every minute that you put into something. And if you start to think of yourself like a resource, a resource that will run out, then you start to take that resource very seriously. Yeah. And let me just say, I mean, I know Dan, one of the things that he was really focused on was thinking about how valuable your time is. And something that I kept thinking about that he didn't really address, but is sort of my point of view because I am feeling pretty stretched thin right now is not just that the value of my time is so expensive, but also the mistakes and the, and the fuck ups that I can make when I'm too stretched thin. Mm. Those are really expensive too. Like those can really cost mm -hmm. the company something. If I take too long to respond to an email or if I, if, you know, there's extra ad inventory that we can scoop, but I don't see the email until too late because I'm working on something else. And so I, I found this to be a very valuable framework to think about my time and think about the hiring process. But I wanted to ask you, Jason. Stick around. Help Wanted will be right back. Nicole, have you ever thought about the one that got away? Jason, I am happily in a relationship. You know that. No, the hire that got away. Someone that you thought was perfect for your team, but ah, they were already with another employer. Oh, well, in that case, yeah, I think about her all the time. Well, it's not too late. You can reach out to that person on LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you hire professionals that you can't find anywhere else, even people who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. Okay, looks like it's time for me to shoot my shot. Do it. And I know you may have your heart set on one person, but if you do want to open it up and post a role to a bigger applicant pool, you can do it for free at linkedin.com slash 
help wanted. And because there are so many professionals on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within just 24 hours. So you'll never have a one that got away again. Incredible. That's linkedin.com slash help wanted. Yep. LinkedIn.com slash help wanted. Terms and conditions apply. Happy hiring ever after. Nicole, have you ever thought about the one that got away? Jason, I am happily in a relationship. You know that. No, the hire that got away. Someone that you thought was perfect for your team, but ah, they were already with another employer. Oh, well, in that case, yeah, I think about her all the time. Well, it's not too late. You can reach out to that person on LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you hire professionals that you can't find anywhere else, even people who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. Okay, looks like it's time for me to shoot my shot. Do it. And I know you may have your heart set on one person, but if you do want to open it up and post a role to a bigger applicant pool, you can do it for free at linkedin.com slash help wanted. And because there are so many professionals on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within just 24 hours. So you'll never have a one that got away again. Incredible. That's linkedin.com slash help wanted. Yep. LinkedIn.com slash help wanted. Terms and conditions apply. Happy hiring ever after. Welcome back to Help Wanted. Let's get to it. You mentioned when you were talking to Dan that you decided at some point to take on an assistant. Yeah. You didn't know necessarily about Dan's buyback framework at the time, but were you sort of thinking about this in your own way? And how did you decide it was time to get some of your own time back? (laughs) You know, it was because of a couple moments like you just described. You were just saying that if you missed the email about the ad inventory, then that's lost revenue. That happened to me a couple times where somebody had written to me about, hey, we'll pay you $5,000 to do this simple thing. And I just didn't get back to them fast enough because there were too many things in my inbox. And although I didn't have Dan's buyback rate at the time, what I did have was this faith that if I had more time, that time would be put towards making more money and that I was limiting myself by not liberating it. And and I was thinking about all the times in which I have been part of organizations that wouldn't spend money or I was consulting with people who wouldn't spend money and I could see so clearly from the outside that they are hurting themselves by trying to do everything themselves that like you know I I just wanted to shake them and be like just spend some money and you will get this time back and you will be able to put it towards growth instead you're growing so much slower because you're not willing to spend what is ultimately in the grand scheme going to be a small amount of money relative to the amount of money that you're going to make. And then I, then I realized you could yell at me about the same thing. Like I was making the same mistake and I totally understood why they were making it, right? You totally understand because it's so hard to see exactly how you can't, it's so hard to draw a line between, oh, well, if I have an extra hour, here's exactly how I'm going to monetize that. You don't, yeah. it doesn't work like that. But if you're just able to value your time over the course of all your work, you say, oh, well, this is, this is how much money I make as a person with this amount of time. 
then you start to realize that if you just give yourself more time, you do better. And so I did it on faith. I did it on faith that I was going to make more money and I started paying that assistant and it's totally worked out. I'm feeling pretty stoked and pumped up about this and motivated. And so I would like to say to anyone who's listening right now and feels like they've been in my shoes or maybe are in my shoes right now and are also feeling motivated and pumped up to get someone new on their team and to build out their dream team, what I'm going to do right now is because we just talked about how it is so easy on LinkedIn jobs to create a new job posting, I'm going to go through all of the responsibilities that I just wrote down, figure out which ones are the best to outsource using Dan's levels of like level one, level two, level three. Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep all the things on my plate that only I could do, see what I can outsource that other people can do, figure out what exactly that job title is. Sounds good. I'm going to go to linkedin.com slash help wanted. And then I'm going to post my first job description for free. I love it. Ooh, we have our own fancy URL. We too. LinkedIn. What is it again? <laughs> it's linkedin.com slash help wanted. Beautiful. I love it. This is very exciting. If I can get an email from you at 145 in the morning instead of two in the morning, <laughs> I think we have done good work here. I could not agree with you more. That sounds excellent. Well, let's see you at 145. Help Wanted is a production of Money News Network. Help Wanted is hosted by me, Jason Pfeiffer. And me, Nicole Lappin. Our executive producer is Morgan Lavoy. If you want some help, email our helpline at helpwanted at moneynewsnetwork.com for the chance to have some of your questions answered on the show. And follow us on Instagram at Money News and TikTok at Money News Network for exclusive content and to see our beautiful faces. Maybe a little dance? Oh, I didn't sign up for that. All right. Well, talk to you soon. 